Good morning, Pennington. If you're new here, my name is Pastor Brian. I've grown shorter and tanner, if you haven't noticed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to give thanks to Pastor Brian and the leadership team for having me here. My name is Brandon. Uh, I've been here for about two years um, and interned last year, and it's just been a great journey here, and I'm so thankful for what God is doing here and uh, doing in this church. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word, the ministry of your word, God. It says that we are born of the word in your scriptures, that when, when you spoke your word, all of creation came into existence, and the new creation itself has come into existence in us. Help us, Lord, to hear your word, like Lydia, who, who was, a, was a worshiper of God, yet it says that you opened her heart to hear the word, to pay attention when Paul and others came into her area to speak the word of God, and she heard and her life was changed forever. Help us to hear like Lydia. Help us to be people who are transformed and changed by your word, the power of your word. Let us not dishonor such. We thank you. God, I ask that um, the words I speak here, they're going to be heavy and hearty, and and at the same time, I pray that uh, Pastor Brian would not have to come back and uh, do damage control. But I pray that the oil that I'm going to pour today would be for the match tomorrow, would be for the fire of God in this church. I believe your hand is in this church, and I believe you are stirring us even today with your word and with the move of your spirit. And so God, bring forth your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit, to transform our lives. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's read, if you have your Bibles with you, from Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 35 through 40. And in this passage, it's following up from last week where Pastor Brian talked about the rich fool and the parable thereof and this insecurity that he had with God's provision. And so he's seeking after more. And then he talked about do not be anxious. Why? Because God is willing to clothe you and feed you and be with you forever. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But do we see that, or are we living in fear? Are we living in insecurity? And so it's right after those passages that Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40 come up. And to be perfectly honest, I have just taken this segment because I know if I do a longer segment, which it's actually part of, I'll go too long. (laughs) Um, Between you and I, this is an hour to an hour and a half message that I'm condensing into 30 minutes. Pray for me. (laughs) <laughs> pray for me, and, um, but also pray for ourselves that God would change us, church, because I'm telling you, did we come here to check off a box? Did we come to church to check off a box, or did we come here to hear God? Did we come here to be moved by God? Did we come here to be touched by God? You look in the book of Acts, you look in the scriptures, <laughs> the people of God were moved in so many different ways, diverse ways that weren't confined in boxes. In church, we cannot be confined in boxes if we want to see the move of God. I think about Eudicus. He comes up in the Bible just once in the book of Acts, and Paul was going on and on preaching throughout the night, and he fell asleep. Eudicus fell asleep. Some of you might fall asleep during this message. (laughs) Eudicus fell asleep and uh, died because he fell out the third window, third story window. But Paul came and raised him up. So if you fall asleep, I might wake you up. No, I'm kidding. Um, But this message is about staying awake. 
Right? So why not? Why did I, why did I say that? Uh, let's read. Stay dressed for action, Jesus says. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that he may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This, the time and the setting of this passage is in the context of Jesus' ministry. He's saying, right now, this is, this is this parable being fulfilled, where we are in the waiting period before Christ's return, before what's known as the parousia, the second coming of Christ. And are we awake? Are we ready? Are we dressed? And are our lamps burning? What is Jesus getting at here? And more keenly, what, what is this message of, of the thief? Why, why is there a thief metaphor in here? It, it seems like that pertains to Jesus. Well, let's read it. Verse 39 says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. And then he goes on and says, You also must be ready. For the son of, he's comparing himself to a thief. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus said in Revelation 16, verse 15, Behold, I am coming like a thief. I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who does what? Stays awake. Stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. What's wrong with nakedness? We came into the world naked, right? Uh, Job says, naked I came into the world and naked shall I leave when everything was taken from him. So what's wrong with nakedness? Well, if you come before God naked, there's a problem. Because, yes, physically, we might leave naked. But in the spirit, we must be clothed with the presence of God. We must put on Christ, his atoning sacrifice for us. His, our faith in Jesus Christ and our fellowship with him, our following him, that is putting on Christ. And the moment we stop that, the moment we start to dwindle in that is the moment we start to sleep and the moment we start to become naked. So these hours in the night even, what, like, finds, he finds them awake, and there's the third, the, or he's hoping to find them awake. But there's the second watch and the third watch. These are late hours of the night. What is it about the night that causes us to go to sleep in the spirit? Think about the natural. A lot of times it's actually encouraged that we pray. Uh, we either be the last one to uh, close the door, metaphorically speaking, in your house to Go to bed and pray before you go to bed. Or when you wake up, pray before you get busy with life. Why? Because these hours are oftentimes silent, lonely. And it's a lonely walk with Christ in the end times. It is lonely at times when everyone else is sleeping, but we're supposed to be awake and shining for Christ. 
but maybe the people we're in fellowship with, maybe the atmosphere we happen to be around, nobody else is awake. So why do I need to be? But Jesus is saying emphatically here, you're blessed if you are awake. And we're going to talk about that blessing in a bit. But I want to talk about this thief. Like, wait a second. We, we talked about how Jesus is that thief, but I want to go a little deeper here. He said, know this, that if the master of the house had known at the, what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house. Who's the thief? Who else can be the thief? Oftentimes what's characteristic of Jesus' metaphors and figures of speech is that they can be interpreted in various ways for the, for the full revelation of God's truth upon us. And when I hear thief, I think about Jacob. I think about Jacob and his name, very name meant thief. What am I getting at? Well, how did these servants, the servants are, are, is a metaphor for people who are following God, people who have committed themselves to God, and yet at times may stumble and may fall asleep. How did we become servants? Well, let's be clear. It's through forgiveness. It's through the forgiveness of God because we were the thieves who broke into his house at first. We were the thieves who stole from God. We stole time. We stole his, 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 his so, so many truths and abandoned them, twisted them for our own good, for our own pleasures. But God takes that thief who broke into his house and says, I'm going to make you a servant. I'm going to show you the way. Right? I've heard about stories like this of, of, of massive forgiveness, even in the natural, where people have, have come across someone who's done them so much wrong and the forgiveness that they give to that person. It's really an exaltation. It's a beautiful portrayal of God's love. And so, be ready. Be ready. How do we get ready? How do we get ready? I think about our... Uh, Beauty routines, our, our makeup routines, our morning routines. How long does it take to get ready? How long do we stay in the mirror? Uh, to be honest, uh, um, <laughs> how, it was, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before, I'm in the mirror shaving, and I made a nick. I was just doing a trim up. I made a nick. That nick cost everything. And that's why, I, you know, those of you who know me, uh, I look different. <laughs> so... Right, We spend this precious time to, to take care of ourselves and, and to look presentable, to not go around naked and be seen exposed. Well, in Revelations 19, verse 7 through 8, it says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give God the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. She's made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Okay, so she makes herself ready. And how did she make herself ready? So it gives you the, the answer right at the end. The fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So the key to being ready is righteous deeds. Service to others. Jesus' ministry was marked by service. As well as his second coming will be marked by service. It says that when he comes at the door, he will knock, and if they open to him, blessed are those servants, and he will serve them. He will have them recline at table. I can't wait for that lazy boy. I can't wait to recline at table with Jesus and dine with him. 
That's a ama- the, 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 the Lord of the universe, the author of life, is going to serve me? That's what the cross is about. He came to serve. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom. But we have to receive that. It's like clothing, being given clothing. But you, you can receive the clothing, but it can just be sitting in your closet. Are we putting on Christ? Right? So that's that stay dressed. Stay dressed and, and, and stay dressed for action. In the Greek, it's gird up your loins. In the ancient times, there was, the, you know, men uh, and women had long tunics, long robes. And in order to be prepared for action, they had to pick them up and tuck them in. They had to tuck them in and be prepared to work, be prepared to run, and I think even be prepared to fight. Because the thief is coming. (laughs) Again, going back to Jacob, the thief, at nighttime, he was crossing the river Jabbok, which is into the promised land. He's making his way into the promised land, and it's at night, he doesn't sleep, and now he's wrestling with someone. Who's that someone? God. Are you ready to wrestle with God? If you stay up, if you're staying up, you will have those wrestling moments with God and transformation coming in your life again and again. I don't believe Jesus is just talking here about the end times. He's also talking about coming and knocking at different times in our lives to encounter us, to transform us, to remake us and make us whole. And so are we ready for that fight? Are we ready for that work and that run? But I, I think what's beautiful here is like, I might be sounding like, man, I got to do so much. I got to be so much. I got to, Brandon, you're saying I got to do a lot. Yeah, kind of. But I'm also saying that God's going to do that work and empower your work. Bless it. Similar to an investment. You make an investment and you capitalize on it, not through your work. But you had to put the work in at first. Right? And so that staying dressed for action. Verse 28, it's an earlier chapter where it talks about do not be anxious. In verse 28 of chapter 12, if you have your Bibles open, the Lord says, if God so clothed the grass, how much more will he clothe you? So in order for us to stay dressed, that means we were already dressed. Did somebody get that? Can I get an amen? (laughs) He dressed us. He dressed us and now we stay dressed. We stay dressed by the goodness of God. He is the one clothing us, not us. So don't take off that garment. He's giving you that righteousness, that preparation, that readiness. He's giving it to you. you. You can never live from that place of service if you yourself have not been served first. If you don't know the love of God, you can't give the love of God. And first, we have to wrestle through. Do I have that love of God? I think life's journey itself is a wrestling with more and more of, God, I want to know your love. I don't know anyone, no Christian, I don't know them, who has the full revelation of the love of God. And so we go on and we press on to be fully known by him and transformed by him. That's what's called sanctification. It's a journey. It's a journey of being set apart by God for holy purposes. Cut out. Cut out from the world. Cut out from worldliness. Cut out from your sinfulness. And truly set apart for him. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, gird up your loins. 
Another way to do that or to think about that, 1 Peter chapter 1, he says the same language, gird up your loins of your mind or prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, setting your hope fully on the grace of God that will be revealed to you. So are you, is your hope, is your expectation on God's revelation or is your expectation on something lesser, right? Look at the last verse of, cha- of uh, chapter 12, verse 40. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So you don't expect the hour, but you're supposed to expect him. If you're thinking about the time, if you're thinking about anything less than Christ Jesus, you're not going to stay up. If you don't have that revelation of the goodness of God and the heart of God, you're not going to continue It's just the reality. But we're going to get deeper as we see that even when we have the goodness, even when we have a revelation of who God is, there are those times in which we might fall asleep. And why? Why? We're going to get into that. But before we do, I want to just talk about, hmm, I'm going to skip it. Okay, we're getting into it. When you fall asleep, when you fall asleep spiritually, you fail to keep your ability You fail to keep your intimacy and you fail to keep your dignity. When you fall asleep spiritually, you fail to keep these. Uh, uh, um, I guess that's an acronym, right? AID. You fail to keep your AID, A-I-D. Your ability, your intimacy, and your dignity. When you fall asleep on God, when you fall asleep on your salvation, you're going to fail to keep your AID from God. Let's look at it. Ability. Samson lost his abilities and even God's presence by falling asleep upon the lap of worldly comforts. Judges chapter 16, we don't have time to get into it today, but there's just a beautiful story in there that is for our revelation and instruction. And he talks about Samson going after the woman named Delilah. And Delilah was paid to set him up, to use his lust against him. His lust was for her. Her lust was for money. And so he, she keeps asking him, asking him, Samson, what's the secret to your strength? What's the secret to your strength? And he keeps telling her different things, but not telling her the truth, not telling her what's actually setting him apart, not giving her his whole heart. And there's times where we're committing sin, where we're in it and we're wrestling with it, and we haven't really given our whole heart over yet. But there comes a time when Delilah stays around too long, and we've stayed around her too long. And oh my God, what do you think is going to happen? She's going to cut off your hair. She's going to get to your heart. And your heart is going to be fully taken over by sin if you keep toying with it, if you keep playing with it, because that's what happened with Samson. He kept toying with his sin. He kept playing with his sin, and he fell asleep on her lap after he had given her the secret that it, the, my strength is in my hair because it's, it's to be set apart. My hair is representative of being set apart for God. And he told her the secret. He fell asleep on her lap, and she cut his hair. And she, it says she began to torment him And then tormentors came in. Come on. How many of us have been there? I've been there. I've been there when I've been dabbling in my sin. And man, that Delilah sin cuts my hair off. And the the blessing is that it doesn't always lead to death. James chapter 5 says not all sin leads to death. That might sound weird because we know that in Romans it says 
uh, the wages of sin is death. What are we getting at? Well, think about it. Some people, they commit a great act of sin and it cost them their life, literally their life. They did something and it cost them their life, up, and, up to the death penalty, for example. But there are times where God is so gracious and loving and merciful and instead of allowing us to enter into death, he saves us. And, and what, what happens with Samson is that his hair grew back. And in other words, he grew in strength again. And so my prayer is that if you've been like me, stumbling in different things, that you would grow in strength again. Samson fell asleep by toying with temptation, seeing how close he could get before the serpent bit him. How long will you lie there in your lust? And those things are either, they could be sin, but it also could be stumbling blocks. Things that, it's not really sin, but uh, I'm playing with it. I'm toying with it, right? Uh, I'll say it. I was watching this uh, story on Business Insider. Long and short of it, um, they talked about this chemical called indole. And it's found in jasmine flower. And it's so precious when it's extracted from the jasmine flower that one kilogram of jasmine flower oil can go for $5,000. One kilogram. That's literally just nothing, right? That chemical, because of that chemical indole, it smells so sweet in small amounts. But you have too much of it, and what smell do you get? That chemical's also in feces. What am I getting at? There are things that we can do that in small amounts are good for us. Eating the occasional crappy food. Tasty food, right? Things that really get us going. But doing too much of it, what happens, right? Or the same is with, I know for me, the conviction on my heart was like, how much time am I really spending on the things of this world and in the technologies of this world? The internet, the, the social medias, the different things like that. I'm not here to tell you how much time you should be spending on there. The Spirit already is convicting you. At times, you know that when you're watching, I should probably get off this. I should probably stop wasting time. I should probably get out of the doo-doo because I'm getting too much of this, right? And so there's many things like that. I just gave two examples, food, technology, all kinds of things that we can dibble and dabble in. And before you know it, we're given over to Delilah. We give ourselves over. Next, when you fall asleep spiritually, you fail to keep intimacy. We're going to go to Songs, chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. The book of Songs, chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. And here we read about how the bride of Christ, it's a the woman there is a metaphor for the bride of Christ. This bride of Christ, someone who's saved, someone who is, knows God, confesses the Lord, the bride lost her intimacy by falling asleep in complacency. So in chapter five, we read, I slept. This is the woman speaking. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. What is that? What does that mean? My, I slept, but my heart was awake. In other words, she's still saved, but she's sleeping. A lot of the saints are still saved, but they're sleeping. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Her flesh was weak. She's sleeping. And if you read the story, the backstory of this, where we get to chapter five, she had previously been searching for him. And when she didn't sleep in chapter three, she found him. And she had intimacy with him. 
And so here we have, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved, doing what? Knocking. Same as the parable, right? Knocking at the door. Open to me, my sister. This is what, this is what Jesus is saying to us. Listen to this. Open to me, my sister, my love. God is in love with you. Do you know that? My love, my dove, my perfect one. Did you know God sees you as perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ? He paid for you. He sees you whole. He sees the finished work upon you and within you. That is the goodness of God. My beloved, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. What's that? He was traveling through the nighttime to come and see her. I had put off my garment. This is her now speaking. This, he said, I was searching for you. I was coming for you. Open up. She was like, I slept. And now she says, verse 3, I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> I, I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? What is she doing? She's making excuses. She's sleepy. She wants to stay in bed. Verse 4, my beloved put his hand to the latch. My heart was thrilled within me. So there's still an excitement there, but she's wrestling with her sleep. Verse 5, I arose to, my, to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. Six, verse 6, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. Come on, how many of us know that there are missed opportunities when you sleep on God. There are missed opportunities when you sleep on God and he's knocking at the door. How many opportunities are we going to miss? Think about Jesus passing through the villages, right? And if you had slept during that time or if you just had done something else and you heard about it, eh, this guy Jesus is in town, I don't, you know. Yeah, he's healing everybody. Oh, I know. Like, would you have gotten up to follow him? And do you know that many crowds, it says, they came, but they didn't follow him. Only disciples followed Jesus. Are you part of the crowd or are you a disciple? Crowds, they come when Jesus is around, but they don't follow where he goes. Notice that in the scriptures when you read. And so don't miss out on your opportunity with God when, you not, when he knocks, be wake. She says, my soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. Oh my God. Somebody said, I said in my prayer, why can't I hear God? God, why can't I hear you? We, 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 we hear that all the time. I don't hear God's voice. I don't hear God's voice. It's saying right here, I called him, but he gave no answer. We're not hearing God's voice because we're not opening when he first knocks. We're not opening. We've got to open. We've got to be awake and be ready. Verse 7. This is the, one of the verses that has perplexed scholars throughout the centuries. Books and books have been written just about this one verse. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. So she had been searching for her beloved. She goes out after he had knocked, after he leaves. She goes out and now the watchmen are there. And they, they found me, they beat me, they bruised me, they took my veil, they took away my veil, those watchmen of the wall. Listen, when you choose comfort over intimacy, you will face hostility. Somebody please write that down. <laughs> when you face, when you, when you choose comfort 
over intimacy with God, you will face hostility, increased hostility. It's just a reality. When you let complacency override intimacy, you will face increased hostility. And so those hostilities come in so many forms. A, a, a couple of those, are an example, could be just our own thoughts, our own accusations accusing us, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that, should have, could have, would have, and now we're just living in that condemnation of that, right? And we feel guilty rather than feeling loved by God and just going out, because what you see later on, I'm not going to go to that verse, but it talks about she, 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 despite being beaten, despite being torn apart, she goes to find him. She goes to seek after him. So I'm telling you, despite having fallen, despite having stumbled, go. Go and keep going. Don't give up. That's the name of the game. Don't lose patience and persistence with God. And then she says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with love. You see that? She's, she's like, all right, I messed up. I missed the opportunity. I'm still sick with love. I still love my Jesus. I'm telling you, that's my heart. When I'm in the midst of struggles and temptations and giving in to them and, and falling asleep with Delilah, I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to seek after God. I'm still going to search for God. And I'm not going to let the devil get the glory. Amen? So, and, and again, if you, for your own study, Luke chapter 12, verse 47, we, that's another part of the same passage in chapter 12 that talking about staying awake and things like that. And it says, in the servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. <laughs> like, can't make this stuff up. It's connected. It's all connected. It's the same thing that happens to this woman. She gets beaten. Same things that happen to us. We get beaten. The thief comes when we're not ready, and we are beaten when we're not awake. Lastly, when, you're, when you fall asleep spiritually, you fail to keep your dignity. David lost his dignity by falling asleep in battle. Bill Johnson said it like this, when you turn away from the battles that God has assigned you to, you will come up against a battle that you're not prepared for. When you turn away from the battles God assigned you to, you will come up against a battle you're not prepared for. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 2, it reads, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David was supposed to be doing the work of the Lord. God had commissioned him to uh, um, fulfill the promise of Abraham and take over the land. And, 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 and um, to, I, I got to talk about this because... We, we, we look at this in our modern context and like, how is that fair? You're just going into a land and killing a bunch of people? How's that fair? First off, God said, if they offer terms of peace with you, give them peace. Nobody offered terms of peace. Nobody did. Why? Because they were in their sin. And God said, I'm not going to take this land until the sin, their sin has built up. Right? What is that getting at? God gave them time to repent. This was God's judgment. And David was supposed to fulfill it. But instead, what is he doing? It says, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. Joab was the commander of the army. So he sent a commander out instead of him doing the work. Who's your Joab? And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon that David arose from his couch, his lazy boy, 
and was walking on the roof of the king's house, and he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And we know how, most of us know how that story ended, right? Bathsheba, the sin thereof, he ends up killing her husband so he can be with her and hide. It's crazy. When you fall asleep from the battle that God's assigned you to, you're going to lose your dignity. David lost his dignity. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 15 says, Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. David suffered hunger in his flesh. We have a hunger for sin when we no longer hunger for him. Somebody write that down. We have a hunger for sin when we no longer hunger for him. You know, that's where that saying comes about, an idle mind, right, is what? The devil's playground. An idle mind is the devil's playground. So we are not to be idle in the work that God has assigned to us. Yes, so when you fall asleep spiritually, you fail to keep your God-given aid, your ability, your intimacy, your dignity. But yet when you stay awake and dressed for action, that is keeping Jesus, staying in intimacy with God, you will receive aid from God, also known as treasure, also known as provision, Luke chapter 12, verse 37 says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. They're blessed. What is he saying? Blessed is saying they are already blessed for living in the lifestyle of readiness for Christ. Blessed literally means happy. You're not going to stay awake if if you're not happy for God. If you're not happy serving God, you're not going to stay awake. You have to find the joy of God. The joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. You'll never keep going if you don't have the joy of the Lord, if you're not really there with that intimacy with God. Revelations chapter 2 opens up with a rebuke to the church that Jesus gives. And that rebuke starts off with he gives all the good works they're doing, but he says, you've lost this though. You've abandoned the love you had for me at first. You're doing all these great works. It looks great on the outside, but I see your heart. You've abandoned that love you had for me at first. Come back to that because that perfects every other work. It's from love that our foundation is built. It's from love that service comes. It's from love that we see others clearly with the heart of God. And we move out of those boxes of complacency, those, those rhythms of mediocrity and normalcy. Right? And so it says those servants are blessed, so they're already blessed and they're going to be blessed. And that, we read that, right? He's going to recline, have them recline at table. Verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing. Now, this is later on in the same passage where Jesus is talking about the managers of the household. That's another term for leaders in the church. They, the, those managers providing food for the master's household. So when you're blessed when you're, when you're doing that and God finds you doing that when he comes. Verse 44 Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Let me just tell you, it is a good thing. This passage even reveals the later on passage in verse 43 and so on. It is a good thing to seek to be a leader in Christ, to be a leader for God. But if you must increase, you must decrease. Right? It's, it's this upside down reality of the kingdom. Uh, Jesus says, those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's humility. It's, Jesus said, if you want to be great, be the slave of all. Be the servant of all. Serve people. And the least will be the greatest. Right? And so this aspect, it doesn't mean you have to be a, a pastor or some type of, you know, quote-unquote minister in the church. It means are you pro- 
providing food for people outside the church, in your work, in your job, wherever you're at, in your school, are you providing food? You can't provide if you don't have. First, you gotta get it. Seek God. Second, give it. So he will set him over all his possessions. And then verse 32, jumping backwards, fear not, little flock, Jesus says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That, that This is aid. When you provide for others, God provides for you. When you provide for others, God provides for you. Yet you'll only provide for others in as much as you believe God's already provided for you. Think about that. That's where he starts this whole passage from when it talks about the rich fool and then he talks about don't being, not being anxious like everyone else is. If you're really following me, you're not going to be anxious for the food and the clothing. I'm providing that. That's a given. I'm telling you that's a given. Right? And so, why do we fall asleep and go about spiritually naked? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and I'm going to briefly go over just, a, just three, three kind of sections. Overindulgence is laziness is one. That's one reason why we fall asleep. We've kind of touched on that. Right? In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Saddam. If you remember the story, Saddam and Gomorrah, they were destroyed by God through hailstone and fire because of their sin. People mostly think of the sin as sexual immorality, which it was connected to, but what did that sexual immorality come from? It says, She and her daughters, Saddam, she and her daughters had pride. Pride is when you think you got it on your own. Excess of food, overindulgence. And prosperous ease. You did not aid the poor and needy. You see that? In a similar vein, Haggai chapter 1 reads, It is, or is it time? Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, God says? You're building up your kingdom while this house, God's talking about his own kingdom, his own house, Israel, Jerusalem, lies in ruins. What was happening were the... In the book of Haggai, the people were given the promised land again after being exiled from it because of their own sin. And they were supposed to build up Jerusalem again. But instead, they got in. They were like, oh, great. We're blessed. God brought us back. Let's build up. Let's do our own thing. We're praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Jesus' the Lord's prayer that he teaches us. Oftentimes, we're really praying, my kingdom come. My will be done. Is it his kingdom or is it our kingdom? This is what's happening here. It was their kingdom being built. Verse 9, you looked for much and behold, it came to little. Come on, how many of that has it been in our lives where we're seeking after things and it comes to little? And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its Produce. Blessings are withheld from you when your heart is withheld from God. Let me say it again. Blessings are withheld from you when your heart is withheld from God. Your provision from God dwindles when your provision for self-seeking interests increases, when you're providing for the flesh. So we fall asleep because of overindulgence and laziness. Also a false security. Um, and I'm going to jump to the close here where we talk about 
Why do we fall asleep and go about spiritually naked? This is one that touches my heart. Avoidance and grief. Avoidance and grief. Mark chapter 14, verses 51 through 52 reads this. And a young man followed Jesus. Now, with, let me explain here. This is right after Jesus had been captured and, and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was going to be crucified, right before he had told all the disciples, you will all scatter because of me. The shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter. But I am not alone. It says, and a young man followed Jesus. This is the last guy to be with Jesus before just the enemies were with him. And a young man followed Jesus with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And the officers seized him, and he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. <laughs> Again, this is one of those passages that confuses a lot of texts and, and, and um, words have been written about this passage alone because it's kind of confusing. It's, it seems like it's just thrown in to Mark. But here's the reality. We live naked when we leave Jesus to avoid conflict or grief. This man could have stayed with Jesus, could have kept going, could have been seized with him, chose not to, chose to avoid the conflict. There's times in our own temptations we avoid the conflict. We avoid the conflict of that self-control. I don't, I, mm -mm, I'm just going to give in because there's too much conflict. And in, in essence, what you're doing is what this man did. You're leaving naked, fleeing away while Christ takes on that sin for you. Because every sin that we commit is another scar on his body. That's the way I think about my sins. My sins cost Jesus his life. Luke chapter 22, verses 40, and then 45 through 46 reads this. And when he came, so now this is a little earlier in the same narrative of Gethsemane passage. And when Jesus came to the place, he said to them, pray. Now this is, he's talking to his disciples, to his followers. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. You know, I'll just say right there, the reason why we face so much temptation, a lot of temptation, is because we don't pray. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. More prayer, less temptation. Verse 45, and when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, why? For sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And of course, as we know the story goes, they all did enter into temptation. They all did flee from Jesus. I know, I know different stories of people where they have fallen asleep in grief, spiritually and physically. I know of a woman who was going through such a difficult time with her husband, a difficult divorce. It led to, up to a divorce, the difficulties she had. And she told me, you know, Brandon, I couldn't wait at the end of the day to go to sleep. And when I woke up, I couldn't wait till nighttime came. Because it was so hard. And some of us go through some of that trauma and we just can't wait to fall asleep. God's heart is with you. Jesus was still with his disciples, though they weren't with him. God is faithful, though we be unfaithful. So 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 4, this is how we overcome sleep. And this is my prayer for us. It says, After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah. And the Lord said to him, go up, David, or go up. David said, to which shall I go? And he said, to Hebron. 
After this, it says, after what? Long story short, David had a heart, not just for God, but for God's people and God's kingdom. And Saul and Jonathan had just gotten out of battle and they died. They died in battle, should I say. And David is grieved. David knew them for, for years and years and his heart was committed to Saul and Jonathan. And even when Saul tried to kill him on multiple occasions, David still loved that man. Do you love those who are trying to kill you? <laughs> and, and it says, after this, David decided to inquire of the Lord. Shall I go up? I was driving home from our Wednesday small group meeting uh, that happened uh, just this week. And this passage came to my mind, and I'm like, what, Lord, what are you saying here? And I knew in the midst of my mourning, God is saying, go up. Go up to Judah. Judah means praise. Shall I go up to praise? Yes. What part of praise? How do I praise God when I'm going through sorrow? David had sorrow. It's literally right after a lamentation, a poetic lamentation in chapter 1 that David decides, God, what am I going to do next? Shall I go up? Shall I get up from this sorrow? Shall I get up from this sleeping? God's saying, go up. And specifically, go up to Hebron. Hebron means the place of joining, friendship. Go to the friend. We've sung that song in the very first one. I didn't plan that. That was just there. I am a friend of God. Friendship with God will bring you out of grief. Friendship with God will bring you out of sleep. Friendship with God. It, that is the key. And it was almost two months ago now, a month and a half ago, some of you know, my wife and I experienced a miscarriage. And the journey that we went through even before it happened, doctor saying it's going to happen, no, we're praying it out. No, I'm believing it. I'm telling you, I've never wrestled like that. And when I knew it was finished, when I knew God had taken what he had given, in my heart I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to be hurt at a loss. But there's got to come a time where we go up. Where I say, I'm going to praise God. I got home from the doctor's appointment that day when we knew it was done. And everything in me wanted to say, I'm going to go to my Delilah. I'm about to just go to Amazon Prime and watch every movie. I'm about to go to Netflix and watch everything. I don't care, God. I just, I don't want to care. And to be honest, I don't think God would have been that mad at me. But I don't want my excuses to take away my intimacy with God. And I don't want to go to sleep. And so I decided, I said, I got to get, I got, I got to, I got to pray through. I've got to pray through and praise. So I went to a quiet place, a room alone on campus, and I just poured out my heart. The scripture says, pour out your heart like living water. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord. If, if I had a glass of water and I poured it out, it doesn't look pretty. God's not looking for perfect words. I didn't even have words at times. I just, God, why? I thought I was following you. I thought good stuff was supposed to happen. Why? 
David could have said the same thing. Saul, we understand why he died. We can understand why Saul died. Like, man was crazy. He was trying to kill David again and again. But it was Jonathan. It says David's heart was attached to and Jonathan was attached to him. Jonathan made a covenant with David. And traditionally, Saul would have given the kingdom to Jonathan, his son. Jonathan said, I know what God has said to this man. I'm giving it to him. And they were friends. There was intimacy there. You think about that. Why did Jonathan have to die in battle? He didn't do anything wrong. Why did the miscarriage have to happen? I thought I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have all the answers to our mourning. I don't have all the answers in loss. And we might not have all the answers of why we even fall asleep, but there's gotta come a time where we say, shall I go up? Shall I get up from this sorrow? And I got up in that prayer session and I just began to praise God and I felt a weight lifted off of me. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 says, The Lord Jesus will give the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, instead of a sleepy spirit. God is willing to give you that garment of praise to get you dressed and ready for action. But we've got to go up. We've got to go to Hebron. We've got to go to the place of friendship with God. The place of intimacy where even if we're beaten by those watchmen, even if we're cut off by Delilah, I am going to persist. And look what happens. It says, and he went to Hebron and the men of Judah came and, they, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. The, uh, the, the, the sleeping is transformed into anointing. Lamenting turns to praise. We are filled with God's presence when we wake up, when we get out of this stupor that we might find ourselves in. And so lastly, we, we jumped there earlier, but now we're going to close here in Haggai chapter 1. The closing of that passage where God's saying, you're building your own place but not mine. You're sleeping on me. You're, you're, you're not actually ready. And it says the people were convicted. And in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, then Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest and all the remnant of the people. This is what they did first. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the Hebrew, the word is Shema. It's actually translated more often as hear, to hear. It literally means to hear. It's similar to when we say to a kid, are you listening to me? We mean the same thing as, are you obeying me? God, so so uh, uh, what I'm getting at is faith and obedience go hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. Faith without works is what? Dead. And so they heard, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I'm telling you, beloved, this is what God is saying to us in the midst of whatever sorrow, whatever sleepiness, whatever sickness we find ourselves in. If we would get up, if we would hear, just hear, I am with you, declares the Lord. And Notably thereafter, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, 
the governor of Judea, or Judah, in the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And here's the result. They came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So we see that when they first obeyed the voice of the Lord, what did they do? Nothing. They chose to believe what God was saying. Are we choosing today to believe what God is saying, to wake up, to get up, come to my friendship, come through the watchman, through whatever you're going through and wake up with a sense of urgency and readiness and preparation? If so, God is willing to stir up our spirits. I believe God is stirring up our spirits today. I believe he's willing, much more willing than we think to clothe us. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. So Jesus so often says, where is your faith at? To believe that I will clothe you, to believe that I will befriend you, to believe that I will set you over many possessions. But you've got to let go of the possessions of this world. In other words, you've got to let go of what's possessing you in order to be possessed by God. That's the message. It's in some ways simple, stay awake, stay dressed, but in other ways, simplicity doesn't mean ease. Narrow is the way that leads to life, Jesus said, and few are those who go by it. I want to be among the few who choose to obey. I pray that the work that I do, the work that you do, the work that any of the saints are doing would increase the few to many because I believe that God has room for more. In fact, he said it. Jesus said, there is room in my Father's house. Go into the highways and byways and let your light shine. Is your love shining among others? Can it shine more? Yeah. So how do we get there? Intimacy, friendship. Get close to God's presence. Get past the boxes of checkbox Christianity. All right, I did my things that I'm supposed to do as a Christian. Because let me be honest, that's not changing the world. That's not changing us. It's just conforming us, keeping us complacent. God is saying, wake up. Would you stand with me? As the worship team comes up and closes us out in worship, I want to pray with you all. God, help our hearts to grow. Help our spirits to know. We want to receive aid from you, Lord. We want to receive the ability, the intimacy, the dignity to follow through on all that you've called us to do. But it starts and ends with you. Jesus, maybe there's things I've said today that have pricked some hearts, that have cut some hearts, just as when Peter spoke in Acts chapter 2 and the word cut their hearts. And they said, what must we do? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If there's anybody hearing my voice today and you don't know if you're even saved and you've been like Jacob, a thief, here it is. The Lord is saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Repent 
means turn away from you, turn away from the things that are just benefiting you and turn to God. Repent and be baptized. You've got to be immersed in the Spirit of God. Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And you will receive the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is here today. He's stirring us up today, and He's willing. He is willing to give more, to clothe us beautifully, and to massively, overabundantly give us life, more than what we're used to. The Lord gives to his beloved sleep. There's blessed sleep and there's cursed sleep. Beloved, lift up your hearts to the Lord right now as we worship God. God, help us to surrender as we sung. I don't want to just sing it. I want to know it and live it. Where I begin to just have a hunger for the things of God so that I would no longer hunger for the things of this world. Help us, O oh God, stir our spirits. And the Lord says, if you hear his voice today, he will stir your spirit now. Right now, Spirit of God, thank you for stirring hearts. Let hearts receive right now to be stirred and moved by you to build the house of the Lord, to build the temple of the Lord. And we are the temple of the living God our community, our fellowship with one another in, in the immediate Pennington, but in the global community. That is our work, our walk with you, God. And we surrender to that. Stir us, God, to build the house of the Lord like the people in Bangladesh going out to hostile places where people will beat them and steal from them and kill them even for preaching Jesus. Help us to do that even where we live now. And it is in Jesus' name that I pray, that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Church, let's worship God.